Welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast, hosted by Anders Gustafsson and Carlos Velasco. In this episode, Carlos interviews Carlos Flavian, Carlos Aru, and Sergio Ibanez about the role and impact of digital transformations on the customer experience. Welcome everyone to the Customer Experience Management Podcast. Uh, today we have a very special group of guests, uh, researchers that I admire their work, and I'm very happy to have them uh, on board in the podcast. Um, please join me in welcoming uh, Carlos Flavian, Carlos Oruz, and Sergio Ibanez. Uh, we have actually three Carloses in this podcast, which is kind of funny. Uh, so we will try to, you know, make make it clear when each Carlos is speaking. But let me give you first a little bit of a background from each of them. All of them are part of the University of Zaragoza, uh, and they are creating. I mean, at least this is this is my external perspective, but then they can clarify later that they're creating like a very solid group that is studying a bunch of different, very relevant and timely topics in marketing in our present days. So Carlos Flavian, his research focuses on consumer behavior, in particular attitudes, perception, and behavioral interactions associated with 4.0 technologies, such as AI robots, immersive technologies, and more. Carlos Arus, he is uh, having also very interesting research uh, in this context of new technologies on different domains, such as consumption, urbanism, and education. And finally, Sergio Ibanez, his main research focuses on the impact of new technologies and social network insights on customer experiences and behavior. So as you can probably tell by now, we will be talking quite a bit about technology and digital transformations, which is one of the topics that uh, the three of them are working on in this special group at the University of Zaragoza. So with that being said, uh, Carlos, Carlos and Sergio, welcome to the podcast. I would like to give you the, the word to kind of like expand a little bit on yourselves and also tell us about a little bit more about your research interests. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is Carlos Flavian speaking. So first of all, I just would like to say uh, thank you for this extraordinary invitation. So the truth is that it is a real satisfaction to be able to participate in this postcard where so relevant a speaker has been talking before. Uh, talking about different things such as management experience, uh, the relationship with new technologies, which is something that we really absolutely uh, appreciate and really like it. Um, for us, it's a real privilege and a great pride uh, to, 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 to be involved in this uh, invitation. So thank you so much. I think you have perfectly described it in a general way my profile, and I'm not going to add anything. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you. Uh, this is Carlos Oruz this time. Uh, thank you, Carlos, for your introduction. Uh, the admiration is mutual. So uh, thank you very much for, for inviting us. It's uh, an honor for us. And yeah, my, my field of expertise is on consumer behavior, basically, but also uh, I have uh, conducted some research about the impact of new technologies in education with uh, some teaching programs and projects, uh, so, uh, also some part of urbanism, but mainly on, on consumer experience. Uh, I was focused first in retailing, but uh, on retailing, but now uh, with uh, Sergio's dissertation, we moved to tourism and, and service experiences which is a very interesting field. And, and yeah, we are looking forward to continuing in this interesting line. So thank you for, again for having us. 
Thank you, Carlos. I'm very relevant also for customer experiences. I think there is a lot of innovation in tourism when it comes to experiences, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a field of uh, new experiences and uh, new technologies incorporated into traditional experiences. So it's a really a revolution now. Yes. Nice. Thank you, Carlos. Okay, um, I'm Sergio. <laughs> I'm the one whose name is different in this case. And well, Carlos, and thank you uh, for this opportunity to yeah to show. Um, what we are doing at the University of Zaragoza, and uh, as in, and Carlos or Flaviano Rus have said, I'm really, I'm really proud and really happy for for this opportunity. Um, in my case, I'm the youngest one, so <laughs> my research is not as uh, huge as the one of uh, Carlos Flaviano and Carlos Rus. Um, I have two main research lines. Uh, one is about social media, um, particularly Instagram. And influencer marketing and how is the relationship between the yeah between users and yeah influencers um the other one that is the one that um, i've been developing with uh, carlos um was how we can use immersive technologies in the context of tourism so that's more or less of what we are we have been working and what we are working uh, right now that is super interesting. Thank, thank you, Sergio. And I'm very, very uh, look, much looking forward to hearing about immersive technologies in tourism. But before we start, you know, just to give an idea of, of the sort of research that you have conducted in the past to our, our listeners, uh, what are some exciting findings that you have got from your research? Is there anything interesting that you, or surprising that you, you have found recently that you would like to share? Who wants to... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that uh, in my, from my uh, point of view, uh, some interesting things that we have been discovering is that uh, how uh, virtual reality can impact on physical experiences, uh, such as, for example, tasting food. Uh, mm -hmm. This is something that we are being, uh, we have been, we are working now. Uh, this is the most recent uh, example of uh, interesting finding that we have uh, been discovering but uh, the fact that the, the digital the virtual world is impacting our physical reality i think this is a very interesting uh, avenue for for research now that is I... that is super interesting and it's also this idea you know like many people focus on you know like the digital experience digital but but it's what you're saying is the digital Virtual experiences are impacting our physical experiences as well, and that's something that we need to consider. Not that that is super super nice. Yeah, it, it reminds me also to my well, my dissertation was focused on uh, omnichannel marketing, and mm -hmm. was part, uh, it was in the 2010 2011, and many scholars and many researchers were investigating multi-channel marketing from the an independent perspective. Uh, you you buy from online, you buy offline, but Okay, well, what about the mixed? And this is something similar. Uh, you look for information online, but you ended up in the physical store making the purchase. So it's the, the merge between the two worlds uh, that uh, configures the experience, right? And, and, and we cannot isolate uh, one of the parts. It, it, it comes together. 100%. Uh, as I like to tell my students, you know, we, we now kind of live in a sort of mixed reality, right? Where online and offline merges seamlessly. And we cannot just simply say, okay, I focus on my Instagram strategy on the one hand, and then maybe my, you know, uh, 
flyers on the other one, but we need to integrate them in a way that makes sense, right? For 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 customers, and also understand how what happens in each channel might influence, you know, what happens in the others. Nice. Absolutely. I, I think we, we have gone from a strategy of oh, one channel to uh, two channels, uh, but isolated. And obviously, the omnichannel strategy makes reference to the need to mix all together in the same uh, global experience. Um, as uh, Carlos has said, it's happening exactly the same in the experience, the virtual experience and the real life experiences. So all of them form part of all reactions or perceptions. Um, we are uh, um, um, we are interacting with all these uh, reality together coming from different sources. That is super, super interesting. Now, let me ask you a, a kind of philosophical question. And is, you know, you, you have a bunch of work on digital transformations and the customer experience from, from different angles. And, you know, this is a question that I've been wondering myself and I would like to see what you think. So we have a, a lot of relatively new technologies. I say relatively new because some of them are actually old, but they have just become cheaper and more accessible so we can now actually use them, right? Like virtual reality, you know, we know it comes from the 60s, but we know that now it's more accessible. So we have technologies in mixed reality, virtual reality, internet of things, artificial intelligence, blockchain, and more. How are these digital transformations changing customer experiences for customers and managers? Yeah, From, from your perspective, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, uh, let me start by saying that there are some theories in the context of management, in the context of uh, technologies, that they say that the changes that we are experiencing nowadays, we think that they are more more important uh, than uh, the changes happened uh, last year or 10 years ago. Uh, that is because we, we focus the attention in what is happening with our daily lives nowadays. Um, uh, it is clear that also uh, the, the mass media and everything is changing. It's talking about what is happening. Um, we uh, When we think about what happened in the past, uh, we always are trying to simplify those changes. Um, being conscious of the existence of these technologies that we try to uh, make a bigger importance what is happening in our daily life than it has been happening before. So what I would like to say is that uh, the changes that we are going to face are going to be absolutely tremendous. I think they are going to be uh, incremental changes. No, sorry, um, not incremental changes. They are going to be uh, dramatic changes. Um, uh, everything is going to change in a very, very substantial way. Uh, let me just uh, talk you about uh, the artificial intelligence. So in my view, artificial intelligence is going to make a revolution in all the areas uh, to make us to be much more productive. Uh, artificial intelligence combined with appropriate administration of big data and so on can give you access to an extraordinary amount of information. And it's going to be crucial in order to know how to take advantage of everything. So coming back to uh, examples of the real life, I remember uh, when I was younger, like uh, it was uh, Sergio nowadays, 
I went to um, I went to the London Business School. Okay, I remember that being in Spain. I'm talking about 20 years ago. Okay, being in Spain, one of the competitive advantage was to have access to the information, to have the possibility of reading papers. Okay, because in the past there was not easy to find the papers, access the papers. Okay? That is true. Yeah, and that's clear. Okay, I remember making a lot of photocopies and small pieces, only the two sides of the pages and something like that. Okay, so the competitive advantage was this okay to have access to the paper okay but nowadays uh, the competitive advantage is completely the opposite is to have access uh, to 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 know what is important to try to identify what is relevant and to identify the relevant papers and discard which are not so relevant so we have too much information we need to take advantage and identify which of the information it's relevant. So we have an overflow of information nowadays. Um, probably the incorporation of artificial intelligence can change the way in which we are going to work. Let's go what happens. Let's see what happens with the incorporation of uh, artificial intelligence systems, such as the case of ChatGPT. Okay, uh, definitely they are going to increase the productivity uh, of our work, the way in which we are working. Um, probably the, uh, the competitive advantage in this case is going to be uh, from those people who take the most of combining all these sources of information. Uh, focusing the attention, for example, in immersive technologies. So it's uh, likely to be extraordinary, the changes as well. Okay, so, but talking about, um, uh, talking about uh, immersive technologies, let me just establish the differentiation. Uh, we need to make some publicity about something that we did in the past, okay? So- uh, I would love to hear about that, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would like to talk about, well, uh, taking as a reference the continuum established in the past, uh, the virtual reality, where everything is virtual. The, the, the people know that virtual reality is when everything is virtual. Um, uh, another situation is augmented reality with uh, virtuality. Uh, we, we, we include virtual objects in our superimposed in the reality in the real background. So the cl clear example is Pokemon Go, okay? Uh, augmented virtuality, which is something different, which allows to superimpose uh, real persons in virtual context. And the clear example in this case is uh, the uh, system of uh, uh, Microsoft uh, Meets, uh, which also allow us to put the real face in a virtual context. Um, definitely what we have called the pure mixed reality is where uh, virtual reality and the real environment is completely integrated, okay? So this is going to offer infinite possibilities of doing uh, everything. As Carlos has highlighted before, so the possibilities of a real interaction between what is real nowadays, um, uh, what is uh, just developed or what is in a different place. So it's going to be absolutely uh, crazy because we are going to interact with objects which are distant or with people which is distant, or we are going to interact also with uh, things that do not exist anymore, or perhaps that they are not been existing. So, uh, and, and we can make reality, for example, the old, uh, dreams uh, that uh, in the past were a fail. I imagine to go to a supermarket and to have a Google Glass, but properly working, 
okay? Which you can go uh, watch to the different objects, watch to the different products um, to have all the information and to have access to the information that you are looking for, okay? Uh, I'm not talking about just about prices, um, composition of the product itself, but also many, many other things. So the, the Google Glass, the, the initial dream of the Google Glass. And of course, all these things are going to change our life in a very, very significant way. Uh, not talking about the Internet of Things, which is going to cause sensors everywhere and so on. So I definitely think that our life is going to change for better things uh, in a very, very substantial way. To change, yeah, quite, quite, quite interesting, and it also brings some kind of like uh, questions, you know, as to what, what, what should the world look like? You know, I was just thinking of two, two examples, like uh, in, in, in the context of artificial reality, you were talking about, you know, us kind of like having a closer relationship within the, with these artificial intelligence systems like ChatGPT as a way to perhaps, you know, help us manage information in one way or another, I guess, to, to access the relevant stuff, but at the same time we start thinking about the for example the flaws of some artificial intelligence systems and then you start wondering okay maybe yes we can manage better the information but we still need to develop one critical aspect which is what i've told my students all the time critical thinking you know the information is there you're going to have it summarized and everything but the next question is do you believe it and this do you believe it is also something that i sometimes transfer to mixed reality because I mean, I just imagine, for example, in a in a far future, perhaps when the dream of some people in human computer interaction that they are saying we are moving from human computer interaction where you have, let's say, yourself and a smartphone, you interact with the smartphone to human computer integration where you don't have the smartphone or the glasses anymore, but maybe you have some contact lenses or something that have this augmented reality capability. Then the question is, what do you believe again, right? Because the the, the merging of reality and virtuality becomes so seamless and perhaps integrated that then your reference for what is real becomes a little bit <laughs> fussy as well, right? I'm not sure what you think about this. <laughs> Or, okay, <laughs> I go. Um, I think, Carlos, that this is like a natural step. Um, I think that in the end, what we want with these immersive technologies is trying maybe not to be focused on an online environment or a digital environment, but also trying to apply it to, to our real life, to our real experience. So in the end, this can be useful in many, many aspects of life. We have been talking about work. Uh, for instance, maybe it's, maybe we can design some tools or some, um, some stuff using mixed reality. And there are some applications right now that can be employed for that for, uh, and that companies are using. And this is a way to, to do it faster and to do it in a cheaper way, and also to contribute to to save the environment. That is also one of the trends that we are, the society is currently working on that. Um, this can also be applied to, to every industry that you can imagine, um, video games. We are seeing right now that the first stages of employing augmented reality, for instance, and Nintendo that has launched the Mario Kart game using augmented, real, augmented reality to mix what is happening in the real space, but also playing. So, and there are so many examples, and for me, it's quite exciting what is has happened. Of course, yeah. No, no. Of course, <laughs> uh, of course, there are some 
course, there are some challenges too. Um, but as with every technology, I think that we could try to to see how this how this works. And um, and just to say to add to the answer uh, of Carlos Flavian previously, uh, this is funny because uh, when we started to think about the different realities, the point was that we were seeing that uh, these big tech companies like Microsoft they were launching some devices, uh, calling them mixed realities. But in the end, these devices were not mixed realities; they were um, virtual reality. So this what this was was happened and make us thought make us think sorry about what is happening. We should try to delineate the different terms, and that's why we start working on that at the beginning of the thesis. So yeah, that was. And what I love about this idea of clearly delimiting, you know, each of the, the technologies is that probably when you delimited them, you're thinking about the customer or the consumer and is the consumer the one that is going to use it. So that also helps with the branding of the technology itself, right? Because you're going to present it in a way that actually works for the consumer, right? Carlos, you're going to say something. Yeah, yeah. I was going to add just to the previous discussion about uh, what to believe. You, you, you ask uh, what to believe. I think that it's not for me. I, I think it's not a question of what to believe, but what to to have faith. It's not like the we have relied so much on technologies that uh, we kind of uh, take for granted everything the technology said. Um, we uh, we enter into a website. We have this uh, big screen with the cookies. Accept the, the cookies. Nobody reads the cookies and accept the privacy uh, terms. And but we rely on, on the on that this statement is is making some 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 security. So in 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 some way uh, this can be also applied to the mixed reality world. We it, there is also some research about uh, virtual objects and how a virtual television can be uh, can replace a, a a traditional physical television. So it's uh, you you believe that the television is there. You believe that the the object is there. But you have to have faith in the in the in the real thing. And so I am not I, I I'm not sure if I am explaining myself. But uh, what I I want to say is that we have uh, we have to rely on technologies. Uh, I think that we are uh, part or the technologies are part of our lives. Uh, so we cannot just say that okay this is everything is good or everything is bad technologies is a means to an end it's not the end so um, we have to uh, what worries me is that younger generations are less educated in that uh, in this way or perhaps they need uh, better training in order to 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 have all these concepts clear because otherwise we can we can enter into a dangerous uh, field and that's so challenging. Yeah, no, that 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 makes uh, makes uh, absolute absolute sense, and I think uh, it's is one of the worries that I guess many many people are 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 having. You know, is like how are these digital natives different from us? You know, and and I mean, I guess this is more like a subjective appreciation for myself, but I do see so you know, like some of my classes, I start them with fake news just as an exercise. You know, I just literally start the class giving fake news, and I the first fifteen minutes, I start talking about fake news, and everyone is taking notes. And then I stop after fifteen minutes and say, like, is nobody going to question me? <laughs> you know, so. 
what you're saying is right. You know, it's like we need to work together with technology. We need to trust technology in one way or another. And what I get from what you're saying is like, we have always had technology, right? Like fire was technology at a point. The pencil was technology at another point. Now we happen to have artificial intelligence and mixed reality, which have very specific characteristics. And we need to rely in some ways on them and trust them, you know, in order to be able to progress. But we still need to keep this, what I'm getting from what you're saying is this kind of like skeptical mind or this trained mind to be able to discern, right? And, yeah. and, and be able to discern on when to use them for what purpose and when to rely on them or not. Uh, Carlos Florian, please. Yeah, yeah. Let me just to add a point that I think it's very, very related with you, what you are saying here. So is the difference, what is the point? Uh, what is the distinction between the reality, what is real and what is not real? So it really depends of of uh, the situation. So I think uh, we do not have to focus the attention in what is real or what is not. Uh, we have to focus the attention in what do we perceive and how do we interpret the information that we perceive. When I just to make any any talk, uh, I used to start talking about the research group method uh, and saying that we focus the attention in customer perceptions. And one of the things that I highlight in order to highlight the importance of the relevance of our research is the uh, law of perception who say that the real battle is not between products in the market. The real battle is between perceptions because we just think that we are human beings, we are rationals, uh, we take always rational decisions. But uh, what it has been proved is that we are focusing always the attention in uh, what we perceive and we take decisions mainly by the peripheral system so using the intuition and not using the central route okay uh, because it's very cost consuming so we need to make a big effort a lot of investment in order to try to uh, decide what is the best alternative in a rational way between two alternatives so we try to avoid this um, really as a consequence of this is uh, what we consider ourselves uh, rational beings, okay? Because we take the rational decisions, but most part of the cases we are not taking rational decisions. So consequently, the battle in the market is not a battle of characteristics of our product because when you buy a product, you are not going to analyze all the small details of the product itself. So what you are analyzing is how do you feel in front of the product, okay? What is real? Is real what you perceive. So consequently, uh, uh, the battle real is not between products, it's between perceptions. The important are the perceptions, not the product itself. I really like this concept of battle of perceptions because in the end, you know, it puts the focus on the customer, right? And, and what you're saying, I mean, it makes absolute sense. It's like I, I sometimes give my students this example of when they go to buy salt. You know, you, you go to buy salt and you have, I don't know, five, 10 different options. How different can it be? It's salt. The formula, the chemical formula is the same. What changes is the packaging, you know, maybe a few other things, right? And people just make this very quick decision and typically take the same all the time. But then you ask them why, and they're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, so it's a battle of perceptions. It's how you actually create these perceptions. So I love that concept. All right, let's move to the next question. Uh, and here we're going to dive into one of your articles, which I find very interesting, and, and, and my students actually have to read this article uh, in, in my classes. Um, 
this 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 article is about uh, it's called the impact of virtual augmented and mixed reality technologies on the customer experience uh, for our listeners i will post this article in the description of the episode so that you can ac access it uh, but let's talk a little bit about that article how did the idea come about and what did you find uh well maybe i can jump in and sergio can, can also help me okay uh, well, the idea was uh, at the beginning of uh, of Sergio's dissertation, he was starting reading literature about uh, different concepts and technologies, and he said, okay, this is, this is a mess. <laughs> there are a lot of companies using concepts uh, without any distinction, uh, misconceptions, and so on. So we, we thought that it was a good idea to start by classifying or trying to uh, find a classification of technologies and delineate or set the boundaries between the different concepts. Classification is a good classification when it can classify things <laughs> and objects. Otherwise, it makes no sense. So I think that this is one of the, the, the first uh, contributions that we try to make, uh, find clear definitions, clear concepts about the different uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, and all the, the reality virtuality continue. Uh, secondly, we try also to offer a framework for classifying technologies, not only immersive technologies, but technologies in general, obviously with a kind of uh, specific focus on, on, on these immersive technologies. So we offer a classification based on three dimensions, uh, three dimensions of human-computer interaction. The, the, the computer, the technology uh, dimension was technological embodiment, which is the degree of integration between the technology and the body. So we have uh, very external devices such as computers to very more, more internal, like these smart contact lenses. Uh, and we, we think that the more uh, the technology is attached to the human body, the more immersive the experience will be and the more um, stimulating in a sensory way it will be. So uh, computer is less stimulating than a smartphone and smartphone is less stimulating than a headset. So as the degree of integration between the technology and the body increases, so does the degree of immersion and, and sensory uh, stimulation. Uh, the second dimension, the human dimension is related to presence, to the feel of being here uh, versus being elsewhere. So and we also make this dimension as the human perception. And the interaction perception, uh, the interaction dimension is interactivity uh, related to the degree uh, at the low level. Uh, technologies allow you just to control navigation and at a higher degree, you can also modify the content yeah, or, or interact with the virtual content. Okay, so that was the, th the three dimensions. We developed this kind of cube and uh, you can think of any technology and put into the three dimensions. I'm sure that uh, you can play a game with your students and try to find uh, a technology and try to fit this technology in, in the three dimensions. Like different technologies through the dimensions. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So, uh, and you can think of a technology, okay, this is low embodiment. So this is a high presence and um, uh, a high interactive, for example. And you can find that this fits into the classification. And we try to make a third contribution related to uh, how these technologies affect the, the customer experience. Uh, and at this point, we, we focus on uh, a core experience. We think that the companies, brand managers, uh, service providers must think about 
the experience that they are trying to improve, to enrich, or to create with the technology, and the, uh, departing from this core experience, uh, which can be having dinner in a restaurant, but can also be waiting for having dinner in a restaurant. So thinking about this core experience, technologies can either uh, complement this experience or then they can create new experiences. So for example, um, we talk about television, when television was invented, watching television was an experience itself. Hmm. Then people get used to, and now we, we are entertained by television. So feels that is a, a little feels that is a little bit like that for VR, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Got but it. it also can make sense, for example, for augmented reality in some way. Uh, I don't know. Think, for example, that uh, I don't know a museum which develops an experience that it's a virtual avatar that makes you a tour, for example, and the museum uh, makes this claim to, to, to attract consumers. And consumers go not only to visit the museum, but to have the experience that a virtual avatar is telling them the story of, of, the, of the paintings or whatever. So it can be that the technology itself is a new experience that can empower the, the core experience, but can also divert the customer experience. For example, we are thinking about waiting times. So mm -hmm. if you are waiting for having dinner or waiting for the, I don't know, the, the visit to a doctor. So you can use these technologies to create new experiences that divert consumers from the fact that they are waiting for the doctor. Hmm. Uh, there, is some, there is something that I want to highlight from what you're saying, and please tell me if you disagree with me. But one of the things that I like about it, that what you were just saying is that you, you again put the focus on the customer is like, what is the, the the purpose, you know, for what purpose do we want to use the technology? I have some cases uh, that some companies, for example, come to me for consulting and they are just excited about the technology and in marketing with like buzzwords, right? It's like we say VR and then we are all talking about VR. We say eye tracking or fMRI and then we are all going to there, right? But sometimes the question that I ask the people that I do consulting for is like, what is the purpose? And then sometimes you realize that maybe just a YouTube video is going to be much more effective <laughs> than putting a whole virtual reality interaction. So uh, what you're saying is, again, we put the focus on the customer and then from whatever we need there, we start building based on these concepts and dimensions that you are presenting. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, that's why we, we think that in that last part of the paper, uh, we think that the, the most important part is the core experience. What are you improving? What are you focusing on on the customer experience? What what's what's the point of making using technology? Are you complementing? Are you helping consumers? Are you creating something new? Do you want to distract them from the experience they are having, such as waiting for or I don't know, maybe you are walking. Uh, there is many people. There are many people using Google Maps while they are touring uh, uh, in a city. This is also distracting them from enjoying the views or the landscape or even a car passing by and <laughs> accidents may happen. So we have to think about this also, uh, the, the core experience, what kind of uh, improvements or changes the technology is making in the experience of consumers. Got it. So that's the, the, the idea of the paper in general. I don't know if Sergio wants to add something. Yeah, I think you have explained perfectly. Just to say that um, about embodiment, uh, it was funny because it was some variable that in the end 
we we saw that there was literature about this uh, this dimension, uh, and it's something quite basic in the end. That is, uh, okay, if we have a technology that is closer to our senses, in the end, the experience is going to be more immersive, more sensorial. But um, we wanted to yeah to to highlight it and to show that this is important, and maybe in the context of immersive technologies, is it's going to be quite interesting to study, but also um, it's going to affect the experience in a substantial way. And also about the API cubes, um, the idea it serves to classify the technologies, but as you were saying, it can, you were saying that for instance, sometimes a YouTube video is just enough for, for showing an experience. And the API cube also can be used by managers in this sense. Maybe uh, they want an experience that is interactive, but maybe they do, they do not want uh, they don't want a technology that is integrated into the body of the person because it doesn't make sense. So they can select based on this cube what is the best or what are the best technologies for doing that, for getting this interactivity without presence or with presence, without embodiment or with embodiment. So that's a little bit the, the idea. That, that is great because it acts like a like a roadmap, right? It's like you can have these dimensions and say, okay, given my aim, you know, what what levels do I want in these different dimensions such that I achieve my aim? Uh, Carlos Fabian, you were going to say something as well. Oh yes, absolutely. No, I'm I'm just going to say to say something uh, similar that you are saying. So uh, I think there is still a long way to go in this way, okay, in this particular way. And I'm just going to suggest my co-authors to try to. We need to do something else, okay, uh, in order to go further, okay. Uh, in addition to this, uh, coming back what you have been saying before, so the context in the context is very very important. So. Uh, please do not tell anyone, but let me tell you that with this paper, because, well, we started the doctoral dissertation of Sergio in 2016, and there was an special issue in 2017 in the Journal of Business Research, and we would like definitely to submit a paper, but we did not have data. Okay, so we need to do the most uh, and to try to take advantage of the knowledge and to try to, to make a very, very interesting contribution. Uh, but also the, uh, the reviewers they were very helpful in order to let us know how uh, to suggest us to develop this kind of technologies. Um, so it was um, anything that we started to do because we were convinced about this, but the context was essential in order to push us to develop this, okay? But don't uh, tell anyone. We will, we will keep it just for the podcast listeners. <laughs> nice. No, I think this is, this is excellent. You know, um, everything that you're saying is triggering so many questions in my head, and I would like to ask them all, but we have limited time. So I'm going to move to the next topic. But uh, please, for our listeners, maybe this is a good time to, 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 to say this. Uh, I guess, what are some good ways for our listeners to contact you? Uh, probably by email would be a good way, right? I, I, I'm going to post in the, in the description of the, of the podcast your emails so that if anyone has any further questions or if there's any company that would like to get in touch, then they can contact you. Uh, so email is, is a good way, right? Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great. Also, also social media, LinkedIn, yeah. Twitter. Twitter. Yes. Okay, perfect. Also, we, we are organizing a conference, which is IFC, which is uh, focusing the attention in technologies 4.0. So um, we are trying to build a community of people interested in things related or uh, phenomena related with 
the application of virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, artificial intelligence, service robots to different contexts. Um, it is an, a small group of people which is very, very interested in uh, these kind of technologies and uh, the result is going extraordinary. So if any of the listeners would like to take part, we will be absolutely delighted. Excellent. So, so I will, I will, I will also post the the details of the conference in the description of the the episode. And for anyone that is interested, please go and click there, uh, and then you can learn more about it. But let's move to the next question. You know, we had uh, selected another paper that I wanted to to discuss with you, which is I find quite interesting and and perhaps unsurprisingly because it's pretty much related to some of the stuff that I that I that I enjoy doing as well in research, and is this idea that you know like. I guess one of the, the limitations of virtual environments, broadly speaking, is that, you know, we cannot or we don't have necessarily yet all the technologies that allow the stimulation of our senses, right? Yet our everyday life experiences are multisensory in nature. So some of your work has actually been, that, been diving into, into how to do these, you know, virtual experiences more multisensory. And you have a very interesting paper that I, I actually had the, the pleasure to edit for, for a special issue, which is called the, the Influence of Scent on Virtual Reality Experiences, the Role of Aroma Content Congruency. So what was this paper about and why is this important? Well, uh, Carlos first, thank you for, for all your help from you and all the, the editors, um, because this was like, um, a crazy idea at the beginning, I think. Uh, but uh, well, it went quite well, and we are quite happy with this research line, to be honest. And we are trying to to, to continue working in in this in this line. Mm, the idea, well, one of your papers, the published in the Journal of Interactive Marketing, uh, was uh, one of one of the our most important inspiration from this paper, to be honest. Because in the end, um, what one of the first sentences of this paper is that um, something like that, achieving multisensory digital experience is like the holy grail of human technology interaction. So in the end, what do we want? We want to try to recreate what is happening in the real world to the digital world that we have been talking about. So but what happens right now? We have to be yeah realistic. Uh, what happened is that most of our digital experiences are based on sight, on the sight sense, audio, maybe some kind of tactile stimulation, but um, they are nothing else. So there is nothing else. So uh, and as you purpose said, there are so these kind of sensory enabled technologies. One of them is virtual reality, and we were working on that. So that's why we decided that, okay, let's try, let's move to this. Uh, the other, the remaining senses were the olfactory one and the gustatory one. Um, in the gustatory one, they are like a very, um, there's not many developments, I will say. I think that there were, or there are more developments uh, regarding olfactory. So that's why we just said, okay, let's go to this. And we could analyze something as simple as how to, add some kind of extent uh, to a virtual reality experience is going to improve the, the overall experience. Um, that was the idea of the, of the lab experiment that we conducted. Um, the point was that uh, it was not 
easy to select the different Excels. To be honest, we have to conduct different pretests. Some of them was, were not, uh, yeah, were not easy to, to do. And also the experiment was quite difficult because you have to control like, like everything. And it was not, you know, it was not mm, easy. Uh, sometimes even I discovered something into my, of myself. I was talking, I was, we were conducting the experiment and I realized that for, in my case, I don't have like this sense of the, my own factory sense is not really developed. So, well, we have, we try to, to, to have the same, um, level of extent intensity. Uh, but I realized that in my case, it was different. So. What we we try to to yeah to use the same intensity, but in my case, I have always to ask both Carlos if okay this is fine, this is not fine because in the end, every person is different, and this extent is also the extent sense the olfactory sense is also is quite related to our to remember particular situations. So we what we want to do in the end it was like to see if yeah if watching a destination uh, with virtual reality or with a PC, two different levels of embodiment, and in a space where there is um, where there are different senses, sorry, a sense, one that is uh, congruent, pleasant, and congruent with the destination that is displayed, one that is um, pleasant but is not congruent with the destination, and a space and a space where there is where there is no sense, how this influence the experience. Um, to be honest, we didn't know uh, what could happen because the this sense is so subtle that we didn't know if there will be a, an influence. And we, to be honest, we were quite surprised to see that uh, all of our proposed relationships were verified, uh, were not rejected because um, we saw that this sense is important and that is important for managers, for instance, in a yeah in, yeah in a fair for instance when they saw one experience with virtual reality maybe they can just differentiate themselves just by adding this subtle extent that maybe could yeah could generate a different experience and could help them to sell their destination or their tourism product and that's what a little bit the the idea of this study. That is fascinating. And, and, you know, like I want to point to something is that it's not necessarily uh, super, super clear always what, what does a uh, congruence mean. So I imagine that the pre-testing is, is a, a whole kind of like part of the, of, the, of the thing, right? Because first there are individual differences, right? And, and then congruent based on what? So probably you require a, a bunch of testing there. But uh, yeah, this is, this is super interesting. So adding con congruent sense can actually improve the experience, right? Once you figure out what that means, right? Congruent sense, then it means that you can improve the experience. Um, and this reminds me, I'm not sure if, if, if this was Hilton or which uh, hotel chain, but there was a hotel chain that was having like these immersive rooms in some of their locations where you would have virtual reality to see other kind of like of the Hilton hotels and they will use scent and temperature and, you know, fans for resembling wind. So it's actually, you know, it, it can be pretty much used in, in different uh, events or promotions or stuff, right? Yeah, totally. The point is what you have said, that uh, managers, they have to, to research about what 
are the accents that are congruent with the kind of experience that they want to, to offer. And that's not easy. But if they do properly, the experience can improve and they can all offer a valuable experience and a superior experience. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Sergio. So I have I have a couple more questions for you. Uh, I don't want to take a lot of time more because we are reaching kind of like now the end of the podcast. But I have one critical question uh, that I would like to to see what thoughts you have about it, which is. When, when would it be, when isn't advisable to use these technologies, like these immersive technologies? Are there any cases in which you can think, you know, like just don't use it? Maybe, maybe one example that comes to mind is like, you know, there is like a target, a, a, a segment in the, in the market that is this group of people that are kind of like rejecting technology. So they typically, you know, withdraw to their communities or, or they just want to have everything on technology. Maybe for them could be one option, but I don't know if you have any, any thoughts about, about uh, this. From my point, I, I am going to go back to my previous uh, statement. I think that it depends on the experience. It's not just the context itself, but it depends on the experience. So. Let's think about the waiting time example. Sometimes uh, waiting can be positive experience because uh, you are expecting you are expecting in a in a good sense in a hope uh, sense. Sometimes you are you are waiting and you are uh, afraid of what is going to happen because I'm going to the dental care office and I'm going to have the surgery or something. Sometimes uh, waiting can be stressful. So it depends on on. On the on the experience, not just the context. If we fo if we focus only on context, waiting, uh, okay, there are you are losing information. So uh, obviously there are types of consumers. We can also talk about segmentation. People who are more eager to new technologies or more skeptical or this kind of of uh, education uh, affordance. Obviously uh, these technologies are not cheap uh, at this point. But I think that the, the most important uh, is is not the, is not the context, but the, the experience itself. So obviously, we will find situations in which technologies are these technologies are not advisable. If I am if I want consumers to look at uh, or I want uh, tourists to look at, at admire my building in New York City, for example, uh, if they are looking at uh, Reviews in Amazon about uh, or in TripAdvisor about uh, the restaurants they are going to go uh, to go later. So they are missing, they are losing the, the authenticity of the experience. But if I use this technology to add information uh, about the building, I don't know the, the, who was the architecture, uh, what um, videos about the construction of the building, this helps. This is positive. Yeah. So from my point of view, um, I think it's more important to think of experiences rather than just context or, or, or situations because each situation is going to be different. But the experience, well, we can, we can kind of modelize experiences, right? <laughs> we are kind of uh, investigating and we are trying to figure out how to uh, find models to, to, to know customer experiences. So if we focus on experiences, I think that it will be much easier to think of, okay, this is good idea to use technology. Uh, this is not, maybe not uh, that good idea, perhaps. 
that makes absolute sense. And I think that introduces the last question that I wanted to ask you, the three of you, which is, as, as I have uh, mentioned in, in the past to you, we have um, a variety of listeners. Some of them are more academic, some of them are more into practice. And, and we try to give them at the very end some sort of like recommendations for practice, you know. So I would like to ask each of you, what recommendations would you give to people working in the experience economy or in the experience context based on your research? And this could capitalize well based on the papers that we have talked this time or other of your research. Well, uh, I, I need that technology. It's uh, really, really uh, important. And I think that we need to take the most of technology. We uh, must make uh, to confront to the uh, possibilities being offered by the technologies. Um, uh, I just would like to highlight that new technologies often uh, generate fear in the population. Um, sometimes uh, generate fear in those on the power. Okay, last week I were in uh, in Italy and I realized that ChatGPT has been banned, and the European Union is talking about uh, what can we do with this. And I think uh, in general those kind of bans are not a good idea. And over time, the bans has been raised and eventually uh, has been uh, deleted. Uh, so we definitely expect that technologies 4.0 will be allowed to be used in the European Union and especially immersive technologies and artificial intelligence, because I think this is the future. And all the time we have been making progress it's uh, thanks to the technology. And most part of the technologies has been uh, banned uh, in some parts. Uh, I'm talking about the print. I'm talking about the books. I'm talking about the different kind of knowledge. And I'm really worried about this, uh, that it can be happening here. So uh, in my view, we have to take the most of the technology because if we do not know, if we do not, uh, other countries will do it. And we will be just becoming more and more old Europe. So my, my recommendation, my suggestion is a general suggestion. Please let us continue using the technologies and let's take the most of the technologies in order to improve the lives of people. And and something that I that I read between the lines from your research, research specifically, Carlos Flavian, is that uh, what, your invitation to use the technologies doesn't mean not discussing them because in your research, you always discuss them, right? You kind of like see what are the implications and stuff like that. So it's all the opposite is let's don't ban them. Let's just bring them to the front and have a public discussion on how should we use them for what should we use them? What are the limitations? What is the scope, right? But let's allow the use of the technologies. Absolutely. Because for example, so when uh, a new technology technology arises, always fears arises as well. Um, for example, uh, what is the applications? So we, we need to make it to be a specific because the applications are immense, Im uh, tremendous. Okay, for example, focusing the attention in the tourism sector. So we can uh, find information, much more prepared information in order to prepare the visit to any place, to find information when you are living, when you are staying in the same place, and to remember all these 
we can visit places that do not exist anymore. We can visit places that it is impossible to travel to, for example, the moon, okay, or very, very distant places. We can travel before traveling. We can travel to remember that we have done, okay, but uh, it is going to be the end of the uh, tourism or it is going to be the end of the tourism industry? The answer is absolutely no. So these kind of technologies are going to stimulate in demand, are going to make it easy uh, to make reservations, to make it easy uh, to take the decisions for the consumer. Because if you watch uh, what is going to be expected with virtual reality of a destination, you can have a much clearer idea if it is what you are looking for or not, okay? So, uh, and this is happening particularly also with artificial intelligence. Definitely, uh, artificial intelligence is going to replace many activities that we are doing, but are we able to say no to the mobile phone, okay? Which is one of the inventions. Are we going to say that I'm not going to use more machines in order to produce uh, all uh, the things that we are wearing or the clothes that we are wearing? No, please, this is the future. We need to find the future in which we are able to find other alternatives, activities uh, for the people, which could be improved with the application of artificial intelligence, with the application of virtual reality and extended reality. And this is not going to be the end of anything. So it's going to be the starting of an extraordinary future, I think so. Thank you so much for that, Carlos. Uh, Carlos Oruz, now the word for you. Yeah, I, I, just to, to compliment uh, Carlos, uh, because he has said a lot of very inter interesting and important things. My advice would be to, it's a very classical answer, but I think it's very usable here. Uh, let's go to the market orientation, not the product orientation. Technologies have been developing uh, greatly in, in the last few years, uh, it, even uh, faster than we can really understand. Uh, so if we allow the engineering point of view to dominate, uh, perhaps we are losing perspective. So I think that, uh, again, focusing on the experience, focusing on the consumer um, could be the, the solution. Um, sometimes, as Sergio has told uh, before, in our experiment with the sense, we didn't use any sophisticated technology to induce a sense who, who can be bothering and disturbing consumers and users. We use aromatic candles. So we can use um, technology experiences uh, affordable for companies and for consumers. So for me, uh, the, the advice I would give is try to focus on what our customers demanding, how uh, or what kind of uh, products and technologies they can use and take the most of it. Uh, knowing our core experience, the core experience that we want to improve use the technology to, to improve that, that experience. Otherwise, we can uh, think of uh, now with the metaverse, for example, that there is a hype and huge investments, then everything, every company, it seems that everyone is closing down the metaverse, but people will use the metaverse. The, uh, companies uh, need to uh, understand that consumers need some time to adapt to changes, to adapt to innovations. So, uh, slow down technology, focus on consumers could be my, my advice. 
That is a, a very, very uh, important advice, I think, and, and I just want to say that I resonate quite a lot with it. I typically finish my, my lectures on digital transformation saying, remember, it's not about the technology, it's about the customer, it's about the experience that you want to design. Technologies come and go. If we understand that core customer, if we understand that core experience, then we can actually adapt the technologies that are appearing you know, in a way that resembles the best configuration of the available things that we have to design the best that we can. Absolutely. Thank you, Carlos. And Sergio, the last advice for you. Last advice for me. Uh, well, I really agree with uh, Carlos Flavian and Carlos Ruz. Um, most of the, uh, well, all the advices that they have given, yeah, are some that I would have said. Just to add something, I think that the technology is here to use it. Of course, there are many challenges, um, but I think that the benefits surpass the costs. Um, benefits of producti uh, productivity, no? productivity. Uh, benefits of foster creativity, uh, benefits of uh, reducing the carbon footprint, for instance. Mm -hmm. But for me, one of the things, why the, one of the reasons uh, why the technology is so important is that technology makes mm, impossible things possible or technology makes impossible experiences possible so in the end we should try to use them uh, in a valuable way uh, and try to to complement the real experiences or to create new experiences that mm, really solve uh, some of the problems that some companies may have and that's why I think that the, this creative way that Carlos has mentioned, um, I think it's quite important to use technologies in a creative way to, cost, to build um, valuable and creative new experiences. I would like to highlight also what you're just saying. I mean, you're giving so many uh, interesting points here. <laughs> and the one that you're saying is also super interesting. And it is the idea that technology makes the impossible possible. And I think this is an invitation as well to think outside the box in one way or another, right? It's like we have traditional solutions for traditional problems and for new problems. And we have unconventional solutions for traditional problems and new problems. And I think these technologies actually allow a lot of these unconventional solutions. So thank you very much, uh, Sergio, for, for that advice also to our listeners. And thank you very much to the three of you, uh, to our listeners. It's been great to have uh, Carlos Flavian, Carlos Oruz, Sergio Ibanez from the University of Zaragoza talking about uh, immersive technologies, AI, you know, and other topics associated with digital transformations in the customer experience. You have the contact details of them in the description of the, of the, the episode, as well as the research articles that we have been talking about. If you have any further questions, please get in touch with them. I'm sure they will be happy to, to, to answer. And yeah, thank you so much, uh, Carlos, Carlos and Sergio. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carlos. Well.